Hello, everyone, and thank you for the download. It's Friday, December 23rd, and this is episode 54 of the Marty Called Podcast. I'm Tim Grassy, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Skipper Ben. How's it going, Ben? I don't have to sit here and listen about your trip, do I? You do, actually. And you know what? Josh isn't here. He's currently setting up my new TV that he handpicked for me. Uh, he's going to be back on our next show, so you have to humor me for oh. three hours. I thought he died. I thought he was the uh, oh, 1,000th haunt at the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. Yeah, we did kill him off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Josh. Josh is fine. Is he? Is well, he? Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's fine for Josh. Fine for Josh. <laughs> it's all relative. It's all relative. <laughs> he'll be back for he'll he'll be back for our year in inside the magic extravaganza show. So yes. don't worry. He'll be back. Yes. That is hopefully coming uh, relatively quickly after this, at least quickly for our uh, from our perspective. I meant to say end end of the year ish. Yeah, end of the year ish. Might uh, be first fe- of the year ish. Could be could be <laughs> February. Uh, we'll get it done before the end of twenty twenty three. We promise. So anyway, uh, Ben did hint at this. Uh, I came back from Disney World a couple weeks ago. I was there uh, from November twenty eighth. Hold on, December hold on, 8th. hold on one second. I'm going to need a few of these to get yeah, through Yeah, I was going to say, you might as well get a couple of those ready to go. <laughs> oh, Lord, here we go. Um, actually, you know what? Before we even get into this, uh, Universal Creative was gutted. You want to talk about that? Sure. Let's uh, let's let's talk about something fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's always a good idea that whenever, you know, you're building your uh, third theme park in a major travel destination to go uh, head-to-head with your competition to just uh, lose the, at least, like, the three most important people in your creative department. It's Sounds really interesting. It's, it's nice to see that Disney isn't the one that has some stupid shit going on for a change. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, they offered early retirement to a bunch of uh, people that are high up in Universal Creative. And Universal Creative isn't like Disney, where there's 90,000 people in it or whatever the hell the ridiculous bloat well, number is. The, yeah, and just to be straight on there for one thing, because I went through one of these as well when I worked for uh, Fox. Uh, this, was a, this was a Comcast deal. It was a company-wide deal. And these things are insanely enticing to get you to leave sure. the company the package like i saw it and i was like hell yeah like i i didn't qualify for it because i wasn't old enough uh, the last time uh this happened with us but uh yeah this was not necessarily a you know a universal deal this was a comcast as a whole to thin the thin the crowd they just happened to have a few people uh of that right age and years that they worked for the company uh within universal creative that uh you know probably did the right thing and took the check and ran right so they're two years out from building Ep- from Epic Universe being open. Uh, yes, they're still on the ground. There's coaster track on the on the site, and some of that's been installed as well. But I've got to imagine that some of the people that left made some of those final decisions, and now new people are getting into the decision making levels where they're putting pen to paper, they're making decisions. Mm-hmm. If if you're given that authority, and this is a loaded question in a show in itself. What do you do? Like, you have now got... Do you follow through with the plans that your predecessors left you with? Or do yeah, well, you change things? The way Universal works is all of those plans that those people made, and we've seen the pictures from, like, BioReconstruct, like, the, the, it's... Those decisions are, to me, are done. Like, what's going into that park for Phase 1, it, the, those ideas are finished, now, there might be some budget cuts here and there, but there, I don't think you're going to see anywhere to where they're going to be like, uh, I know we've already installed half coaster track, but let's take that out and put something else in. Like To me, 
the hires that you do now and the people who come into power now are the people that are going to be making the decisions for uh, the expansion pads, the phase two of the park, those kind maybe, of deals. Maybe Kids Zone and DreamWorks, but they haven't actually broken ground. Correct. On that. I th- yeah. Th- now, those things that have not completely broken ground, yes, I think all of that's on the table that new ideas, new thoughts, new decisions could go in. Uh, but I think as far as Epic Universe, it, whatever was planned uh, with these people that were in charge, that's what's going to get executed. Uh, again, the. Maybe there's budget cuts when it comes to entertainment or things like that. There, there are there could be minor things that come across, but the rides that are rumored, the rides that we've seen go vertical that even though haven't officially been announced, like they're far along enough in the project now. And honestly, 2025 is going to be here before we know it. Yeah. Uh, that I don't think we're going to see anything major changed with Epic Universe as uh, as it comes to at least like opening day. Like yeah. what we expect to be there is going to be there. So here's my note on it. And this is something that I think we've questioned in the past. I said, do you stay the course with Epic Universe? The one bullet point I had was I would reconsider how to train your dragon land. Oh, yeah. And to me, like, it doesn't seem like a strong enough uh, theme. But at the same time, I thought about it more. That's basically a renaissance fair. It's a yep. renaissance yep. fair land. And that might be the discussion in-house that, like, maybe we lean more into the renaissance fair side of things. And we just happen to have how to train your dragon rides. You know, that. Yeah. That approach to it but anyway well there's there's definitely been things at the other parks and along with some traveling shows and stuff like that there have been some very impressive deals made around that property the the some of the puppetry and the state the stage shows and things like that they're they're stunning so if they were to bring that stuff over it's going to be fine to me it kind of reminds me back when they announced avatar for animal kingdom even though yeah. it was the you know the highest grossing movie of all time, and, and you know there's no doubt about it, the How to Train Your Dragon movies have made a ton of money. Uh, they've been mm-hmm. seen by millions and millions and millions of people. So, you know, when they announced Avatar, we're all kind of thinking, really, like like can that support an entire land? And now I can't think of Animal Kingdom without Avatar. Uh, so, you know, I think there's a chance that they could put something over there that kind of blows us away. I do think a Renaissance uh, Renaissance Fair idea. I think there's a rumored dinner. Uh, show experience that could really play into that, and especially if they have some of those audio animatronic puppets, uh, figure dragons within that setting, could end up with a really amazing experience. So I'm not a fan of the movies. I, the, I won't even say I'm not a fan. I, I've just never really connected to them. They were fine when I saw them, but it's not just something that resonated with me. But you know, there there definitely is an audience that has resonated with, and I do think we talked about maybe that making becoming a DreamWorks area. Uh, as opposed yeah. to just one How to Train Your Dragon. You know, end of the day, I think that ends up being over in the kid's zone. Uh, they, they make up with that experience over there. Or at least they develop kid's zone in a way that they could put a lot more DreamWorks in that section uh, at some point. So, uh, which maybe just takes it to where there's not a whole lot of need for it at Epic Universe. The How to Train Your Dragon environment itself, I think your Avatar comparison is apt because even if the, the movie's don't necessarily have the staying power. Uh, yes, they were wildly successful, but they may not necessarily have the same staying power. Like uh, Madagascar was a very successful movie, but nobody really thinks about it anymore. Yeah. Uh, unless they're going on the Madagascar ride that's in, uh, I'm not sure where it is, uh, overseas somewhere. It's a good ride too. Like I, I've, I've advocated right. for that for years that I would love to see, you know, as we talk about Universal being a park that needs more family friendly stuff, I would love to see that Madagascar, Madagascar ride over here. So if the attractions, like the ca- the case for any themed attraction, it needs to be able to live independent of the IP. 
And if the land itself lends itself to a themed area, sorry, if the movie itself lends a land to a themed area, this is a horrible sentence. Let's try again. <laughs> if, if the if the IP lends itself to a great themed area, then the success or staying power of the IP and the zeitgeist of the of the world doesn't really matter uh, in the context of whether or not it's going to be popular. Yeah. We've learned that the driver for these things is typically, you know, you're not, not everything's going to be a Harry Potter. If you're tying it back to IP, it just, it isn't. And nobody's going to plan their trip around to how to train your dragon land unless the rides themselves are good. But anyway, one thing that I've long been, been a proponent of is they need to rethink their children offerings. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's an approach from above. I've thrown that out to, uh, to universal fanboy Derek Bergen. And one of his, uh, defenses of it was that you don't see as many strollers in universal. And that is an appeal for some people. And that's fair. But I think that, uh, if they want to truly compete with Disney, COVID attendance, uh, notwithstanding, they need to rethink some of the vendors they choose for their kid attractions. There's no reason that TTA style rides should have high requirements. And if you look at the high in the sky Seuss trolley, if you look at the Yoshi <laughs> ride coming to Super Nintendo World, both of those have height requirements on it. Yeah. And that in itself is just baffling. So I hope that when they redo Kid Zone into a DreamWorks and or Illumination area, that they don't do it with things with height requirements that literally an infant that was born yesterday could go on the ride. Yeah. Like that, that should absolutely happen. Yeah. That that's, I, I get Derek's argument there. Uh, and, and to an extent, I kind of agree with it. And I, I, I love the commercials that universal ran over the last several years to where it's the parents in the kids bedroom and the kids like saying, can we go somewhere with a, a little bit more extreme rides? And the parents are like, I've mm-hmm. we've been waiting for you to say that. I think those are great commercials uh, right, but right. coming from somebody who loves universal who, you know, less, you know, five, six, seven years ago had small children that I wanted to go to those parks, but couldn't justify it because you had literally one or two rides to do with them. And then you're baby swapping the rest of the time. It doesn't make for just a great family vacation. We're not asking for them to become the magic kingdom. No, but you need more options. Give us a two or three more things, (laughs) you know, a handful more things just to make that experience each day a little bit more pleasant for families with small children. So the original plans for our vacation had uh, Marie, myself, our two girls, and uh, Marie's mother and stepfather all going to Universal. And in hindsight, now that I went back to Universal with my brother and went on this trip with a toddler and an eight-month-old, that would have been a mistake. And I know that my in-laws would have been the one staying off attractions while Marie and I went on Velocicoaster and Hagrid's and whatnot, but... Those, those wouldn't have been walk-on attractions. It would have been things where it was a major time commitment for us to even experience them, and that wouldn't have been fair to everybody involved. So yeah. what we ended up doing worked out better. A couple of other points on Universal Creative before we get to the trip report. Uh, I'd love to see them continue to step up their themed dining game. I think that's something they have a, a an avenue for. And if there is a How to Train Your Dragon dinner show or like a, a true Renaissance Fair type dinner show, that would be great. The big outstanding thing here that new minds could potentially pursue is Lord of the Rings. That's like the the big franchise. It's still up for grabs to go into a theme park. And if that is on the table at Epic Universe five to seven years down the road, then that's where the early retirement could lead (laughs) some of the people that are there to have a major, major project uh, down there. So Uh, uh, I don't know if you had any other thoughts there. 
I think uh, I like that idea, Lord of the Rings, but I also think there's an expansion pad right next to Nintendo uh, that you could do something similar without having to acquire new rights. And, you know, we're going to see Zelda in the parks at some point. That's true. That's another good one. And I would honestly, Lord of the Rings isn't my jam by any means. It's not me either, but if if you're looking for something that has Potter-level fandom, Mm -hmm. um, there aren't many of those left. No. I think your your candidates are either a fully uh, flushed out uh, Avengers land that isn't Avengers Campus or Wakanda or Lord of the Rings. That's what's L- out there. Lord of the Rings is going to be expensive, very expensive. And, uh, you know, I do think you have the rights to Zelda right next to it. That does have a 40 plus year history now behind sure, it, yeah. a fandom that, you know, to me, if I'm universal, I'm going, man, why do we pay all that for that when we have... We have access to Zelda right now. Let's just do a Zelda land. And it's really kind of in the same genre uh, overall. So that's just my thought on it. But uh, yeah, I do think, like we mentioned before, that the the, the Epic Universe, don't expect anything crazy to happen there. Uh, projects that haven't broke ground, there could be some changes. But it's going to be the next set of projects that are announced that this, this new group's going to put their stamp on. And frankly, I'm kind of excited to see what they do. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't we move away from universal creative talk? Uh, I don't want Derek to listen to too much of this show. <laughs> hey, before you get into the trip report, I just want to let the listeners know I I do have a cold right now. So if you hear a little coughing or uh, uh, weird, I apologize. So uh, get off get off my ass. All right. <laughs> I have a feeling it's going to be a lot of <laughs> shut up, <laughs> stop talking, wrap it up. If you hear me coughing in the background while Tim's on a seven minute monologue about waiting in line for uh, flight of passage, yeah, I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> so we did have a we did have a family trip, November twenty eighth to December eighth, as I think I said at the outset of the show. At various times, it was uh, my parents, my brother, and then uh, uh, myself, my wife, and my two daughters as well. Uh, give you some names. It's going to be easier. Uh, my brother's name is Matt. Uh, my parents, uh, they are mom and dad, uh, or Ernie and Norma. Uh, my wife is Marie. My oldest daughter is Emma. She is a toddler. She is going to be three in January. And my youngest daughter, Lily, uh, was eight months old on the trip. So my parents were there for five days uh, or for five park days and uh, Marie and I and the girls were there for eight days. So kind of getting right into it. Uh, that first day we were there, my brother's routine is Magic Kingdom. He's got like he's got to do Jungle Cruise first thing. We were lucky on that first day. Ben, I don't know if you've done the 7 a.m. Individ- or not individual light like, noing, the uh, the Genie Plus. Like, is this going to load in time for you to get that first fast pass? Uh, mm-hmm. First lightning lane. And that is in itself a major problem <laughs> where for uh, for the Guardians boarding group, that's that's less of an issue. The boarding group, I think, refreshes and you can predict that timing. But for the tip board at 7 a.m., it's just not as predictable. And nope. every second counts. So uh, my brother's favorite attraction is Jungle Cruise. And if you were there at seven and two seconds, you're at one o'clock in the afternoon now. Yep. So we actually now, did. Did, lo- did y'all did y'all have DAS for Jungle we Cruise? Okay. So we, we we actually we actually didn't have it for Jungle Cruise that day, but we okay. were able to. I don't I don't remember how we did Jungle Cruise that day, but we were able to do it first thing. And really, it's the first day of the trip where he needs to do that first. We've been able to call minor audibles where we do like pirates first and. If you have, if you're in the park and you have DAS, 
by the time you ride pirates in whatever means you ride pirates and get over to Jungle Cruise, usually it's not at an hour wait, you know, before 1030 in the morning. So you can get a DAS return time and it'll work. And if you have to, you know, go watch Tiki Room or go on the flying carpets, you can still stay in that area. But I I think we didn't actually have issues that first day. Uh, But what we did do as well is- Do you do pirates and just tell him Jungle Cruise jokes as you're going along? We we do, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Um, We- I I love your brother, man. We had very good skippers. Um, good, uh, good. Every time we were on, it was it, uh, definitely. It's, the fun, fir- it's, the f- it's funny when you go on these trips. I'm texting you usually day one to make sure yeah. you got on Jungle Cruise and how much he liked. Like I, I'm dying to know how much fun he had on it and how good the skippers were every time you go on a trip. So glad it's to hear you had good skippers. That it's not the ride that gets the most reaction from him, though. Mm-mm, so mm-mm. I mean, there's no mm-hmm. music. There's like he couldn't care less about the jokes. It's just historically since he. You know, it was seven years old. That was the first thing that we did. So we would always go to the left, whereas everybody was going to the right. And I think that was like back in the day, the Disney trick was any of those lines that had two lines, you go to the left because people are, they're more right-handed people. So that was all the grassy uh, family touring approach. And that's Matt's tour of the Magic Kingdom, where especially day one, he needs to hit Jungle, Pirates, Splash, Thunder, Haunted Mansion, It's a Small World, and Peter Pan. And then he's he's more calm and less anxious. Yeah. Uh, my my sister and uh, basically everybody in my family is saying no anxious when Matt – Matt has some trigger words and one of them is being anxious. So yeah. if, you, if somebody says that he's anxious, he will repeat angrily, not anxious, not anxious. So anyway. <laughs> had, uh, had he done Jingle Cruise before? He had, yes. Okay, so okay. we were there around the same time last year. We, we often go – in November, December, January timeframe. So he's been on Jingle Cruise before. I love Jingle Cruise, by the yeah, way. That, it's it's I, great. I, I love Christmas and I love the Jungle Cruise. So put them together and boom. Uh, I think it's a great, great attraction. I still, I don't get the, uh, well, our family loves Jungle Cruise, but the mysterious demand for it over the last three years is not fueled by the update to it. That's just, it's simply not explicable to me other than they've cut the capacity. Yeah, that's that's totally what it is. There's not as many boats running. That's and that's one thousand percent what it is. A, like, yep. I don't I don't get that because it takes up such a large area. That all right? Yes, you're not paying somebody fifteen dollars an hour to staff a boat, but I don't know. It's it's frustrating. Uh, well, maybe maybe there's a new CEO in charge that won't give a you won't care about that as much. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. It's gonna be the same damn rules, probably. <laughs> so we uh, we paid for individual Lightning Lane for Guardians because we were gonna hop over to Epcot, and that was gonna be our only way of doing it. So I did Guardians. A couple of things about it that we were concerned about. My wife has basically said she's not going to do Everest anymore because she'd rather do Flight of Passage and she can't do the can't do them both on the same day. Uh, she loved it. She hadn't been on a roller coaster in several years because she was pregnant on her last trip. Excuse me. And then COVID. So I think her last time on a roller coaster was probably 2019. But she loved it, had no issues. Uh, and she has issues with simulators. And I know that this isn't a simulator. But mm-hmm. like you have the perspective of spaceships kind of flying along you along with you so it can kind of mess with you a little bit yeah definitely some things that mess with your equilibrium my father was messed up for a few days afterwards that's a one and done for him <laughs> uh, i mean he's 74 years old but he was he was feeling it and part of that could have been dehydration or something but yeah 
it's a really fun ride. I think it fits into the evolution of Epcot, much in the same way that, say, new, yeah. that the current test track fits. Before you get into this part, because I was a, I was a little disappointed with your initial reaction off of it, and then I had to I realized two things. One, uh, you get the Christmas song, right? Yeah, that wasn't. I mean, the Christmas song's a little underwhelming compared to the other six songs that are made for the attraction. Um, yep. I think it's a different experience with those songs. Uh, so I hate that that was your first ride with it was with, with that version. Uh, but then I also forgot that you did lightning lane. Uh, yeah. So and we so didn't get the full. The, yep. Yep. The full cues. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the part where I was, cause I'm quite impressed with the queue and, and unfortunately you missed a good chunk of what I was explaining on the show when I wrote it the first time of how that queue actually feels quite Epcot-y compared to what it could have been. So you get a little bit of that. You get a taste of it in like the back hallway for, for lightning lane. Mm-hmm. And we ended up going lightning lane again. So we got a boarding group the next day. Um, and then with my brother's DAS, we were able to go right into the lightning lane as opposed yeah. to going through the extended queue. And we, we did have to do that quite a bit. Again, Lily's eight months old. Emma was two years and 10 months. And, uh, full disclosure, this trip started off very rough because of the two kids. <laughs> Lily popped two teeth the first night, so she was up uh, all night, and our toddler was refusing to take medicine. So he, uh, con- both of them constantly get ear infections. We're getting now deep into my family uh, medical mm-hmm. history. Uh, <laughs> so I-, I keep on wanting to say ivermectin is what they were giving her. It's uh, For anybody that has young kids, you're well aware of the various – Various regular drugs that you get. So uh, amoxicillin is kind of like the end-all, be-all of, uh, of drugs for kids. But uh, when that doesn't cut it, uh, they move up the food chain and um, Augmentin was what they gave her. And Augmentin is disgusting. That's, a, that's the horse dewormer, right? Well, that's what I said. I keep on wanting to say ivermectin because it sounds similar. <laughs> but it's <laughs> Augmentin was what she was refusing to take. So I got a version with bubble gum and that didn't matter. It's like whatever the nastiness uh, was not going to be masked with the $3 extra bubble gum flavor. <laughs> so the day that we flew in, I called her pediatrician and said, can we get a, a prescription for amoxicillin? We know she'll take that. So I, we go to the CVS there and I see them mixing it and it's white. Uh, I don't know where you're from. Well, I do know where you're from. But if uh, if you've bought amoxicillin in Texas, if it's white or pink – but in Massachusetts, it's pink and it's uh, – uh, That's kid- weird. It's always been white to me. <laughs> okay. So yep. so kids in Massachusetts love the pink stuff and it's got this weird bubblegum flavor, a nasty smell for adults. But I'm looking at it and like, this is white. She's not going to take this. The other one was white. She's, she's like, this is going to be the same stuff. So I said, is this going to taste the same? It's like, well, it's still got that bubblegum flavor. I said, well, can you add bubblegum to it? And like, I mean, it already tastes like bubblegum, but let's – three bucks. You can add the <laughs> bubblegum flavor to it. It's like, all right, well, let's do that. So we give it to her. She takes it and she's like, I like it and then refuses to take it. Uh, <laughs> so then I go out to this – to uh, we're staying at a condo offsite, a family condo. I go to Target and I get red food coloring to make it pink. <laughs> And so that got another dose into her. But again, she was like, it tastes the same. I don't want this. And we didn't want to fight with a toddler all vacation. So like we wrestled a couple of doses into her and then just said, you know what? 
we're not going to do it. But apparently the only law in Florida is you can't have pink amoxicillin. Like you can walk a tiger on the sidewalk without a leash, but pink amoxicillin <laughs> is a no-go. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, so back to the parks. The kids were actually great in the parks. Uh, Lily turned into a pumpkin at about 6 o'clock every day, but uh, we didn't push her that much further than that. Um, Emma, uh, a couple things that she wasn't a fan of. Uh, Barnstormer, as soon as it started moving, she was not – not thrilled with the situation. And I mean, that's maybe a 50 second ride, 35 of which is the lift hill, but that was her first experience on a roller coaster. And she was, she was not a fan. So we didn't, we didn't go back to that. And then the last day of the trip, uh, fill her magic was a non-starter for her as well. <laughs> Just this, the like four dimensional, uh, the, the stuff popping out at you. Uh, we ended up leaving midway through the show. Oh and- no. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it started. Yeah, was with, that was that your first time seeing it with the new digitization and the? Uh, no, we've Coca, seen it Coca last scene? year. Okay, okay. We saw it last year, and last year it didn't bother. Her. Interesting. So, like, as you, you know, I mean, that much closer to three, you have that many more fears. So, like, we had seen the Coco scene before, and it only uh, Emma and I went in to see it, and it was like midday. I think uh, Lily was napping or something or being fed. I was like, all right, let's find some stuff to uh, to do that's in Fantasyland. We spent a lot more time in Fantasyland when it was just us. How many times, uh, audibly out loud, did you remind her that you're, she's ruining this vacation? <laughs> no, I said, we said that to my parents. <laughs> no, I, I, honestly, uh, we we pushed both girls quite a bit, and they were both very good in the parks. And there's only so much you can push an infant. Uh, and basically, Push her down. Yeah, I mean, uh, so so Lily, our youngest, she between six and seven, she would turn on a dime, and that meant we had to go. So, but, but yeah, for for fill her magic, just the stuff popping out of the screen. We started first with her just taking the glasses off and like sitting on my lap and snuggling with me, and then even that wasn't enough. And I th- <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the Coco scene as well, but there was more stuff. Uh, flying out and she and she was like I'm done she started when she started crying audibly I was like all right we gotta go <laughs> so, oh well we tried we tried so the next day uh, we went over to Epcot and we so we got on Guardians uh, as I said I, I really enjoyed it um, as a coaster it's great it's paced very well mm-hmm. I mean I don't even necessarily know that you need I don't love the initial story in the sense that like you're dealing with a um, uh, what's the term for it? A celestial, celestial to uh, to to kind of narrate it. I think they probably could have come up with another controversy that's a little bit more grounded in reality. I recognize that I'm talking about a space fantasy movie, but so so did your parents go on this? Uh, my father did, and he was not happy about it afterwards. Okay, and uh, is he a Marvel fan? He's seen the movies. Okay, so my dad has as well, so he knows. But like my mom. Has never watched one Marvel movie. So the fun of being in that pre-show room and trying to quickly explain everything going on <laughs> to somebody who's not a Marvel fan is uh, is amazing. <laughs> like like trying to explain what a celestial is and yeah, what this yeah, technology that- is and why we're about to go do what we're about to go do. Like it is a very complicated story for right. a Marvel fan, let alone somebody who doesn't watch those films at all. Uh, I-, I feel like – even like Harry Potter, the Harry Potter rides, uh, at least Forbidden Journey, I don't think you need to be a big Harry Potter fan to appreciate that ride. Know what's going on. You, know, you have don't fun need with to it. for Hagrid's either. 
I mean, not for Hagrid's. I I do think Escape from Gringotts. If yeah, you're not you familiar with the there. movies, you've got no idea what's going on. Uh, but this is definitely one of those where they did not take the nine Marvel diehard. I mean, you got to be a diehard to understand everything that's going on in this ride. Yeah, beat for beat, and so. I kind of realized that when my mom's standing there looking around going on like, what, what the hell? And, and then I realized, oh, she hasn't seen any of this. She's got no clue what's why there's a talking raccoon, let alone a, uh, a, a space God outside holding, you know, a planet in his fingers. Uh, so yeah, I agree with you that there, there's a, they jam a lot into this thing. The plot is not too dissimilar from alien encounter, at least the setup, but there's some additional leaps where Alien Encounter, you have no familiarity with the character base, so they don't make as many leaps with well, that. Well, no, where- nobody does on that one. Right. So that's that, like everybody's got a blank playing field uh, uh, from there. So, yeah, yeah. You're right. Uh, I mean, again, you, there's no, there's not really an introduction to Rocket. There's not really an introduction to, to Groot. With Gamora and Drax, you can just say, all right, these are aliens. Uh, yeah. so that's a little bit more explainable as well as with the other characters. But I, I mean, for the most part, you know, Glenn Close and Terry Crews, they aren't really like Glenn Close has a weird haircut, but, mm-hmm. th- uh, there's nothing really that needs to be explained there. But the celestial, I think, I mean, <laughs> you're right. I wasn't really even thinking about Rocket and Groot as other things that need explanations, but I think, I don't, I mean, we're quibbling about this. We knew that it's not going to be a perfect fit for Epcot. They they tried, but they tried about as much as we expected them to try. So uh, it's still a fun ride. It's still it's going to be the highest rated ride in Epcot oh, for a while. I I still fall back that I love it. And again, I'm a yeah. Marvel diehard, so it played right into everything for me. But now looking back on it, it almost seems like it needed an opening that like the Glenn Close pre show room mm. needed to come much earlier to explain what the hell's going on Maybe, uh, as yeah. opposed to just walking in and, and, and you get the, the computer above you kind of trying to explain a little things, but I do think there's a little bit more like hands on the shoulder, looking you fa- right in the face of who we are, why we're here, what we're doing now, go enjoy our you know pavilion. I mean, the uh, guardians ride over in California adventure has a little bit of that with rocket introducing himself and yeah. he doesn't explain fully what the guardians of the galaxies are, but he says, hi, I'm rocket. I'm one of the guardians of the galaxy. Like yeah. he, even even that is enough of uh, an explanation where all right you've been introduced you've you, you know his name at least so anyway yeah. the next morning we did boarding groups for guardians we went on it twice so the, the next day my father was definitely a no uh, we had discussed my mother going through to just see the queue but I wasn't sure how much of the queue and pre show you were you were going to see so we ended up not having her go through. Uh, in part because we didn't really want to leave my father home uh, alone with the uh, with the two girls because he's uh, not really a responsible adult. So <laughs> we did uh, lunch at Beer Garden, which is always great. Uh, because we had to reschedule things from the uh, uh, previous trip, uh, some things got shuffled around. We had a Beer Garden reservation, and we were able to get another one, so that's that's good. I know we complain about how precious those dining reservations are, but some of some of the good restaurants still have availability when you when you try to do it. Um, and then that day, uh, my father, brother, and I stayed at Hollywood Studios late and knocked on a few things. One of the games that we kind of had to play because of the two girls is stuff that has height requirements. We were taking turns as to who was staying off. So by my father and I staying late, 
Uh, there are other times where like I would stay off so that my parents could do things that they liked that have high requirements. Like they, they both love Tower of Terror as an example. So wanting to make sure that pretty much everybody got to do everything was one of the stresses that I'm sure you have witnessed on those larger group trips. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you, you do, you do so much of that coordinating for your family. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little gratitude from them would be nice every once in a while. <laughs> so we, we met up with my aunt later on, and she she was uh, impressed with the juggling that uh, was taking place. But anyway, so the next day, uh, I think we're on December 1st now, we were over at Animal Kingdom. That was my birthday. I'm very old now. <laughs> the weird thing for that day, and this just kind of goes to – FastPass Plus and now Lightning Lane, that Lightning Lane on shows is incredibly frustrating to me. So uh, 2 p.m., Festival of the Lion King, they cut off the standby line at 1.40. First off, the show doesn't need Lightning Lane. But we we got over there and we didn't get in. And all right, that's going to happen. But uh, the histor- historically, that show has been one that you could walk into 15 minutes ahead of it without really any issue. And yeah. it wasn't like this was packed. At that same time, Flight of Passage had a 20-minute wait. I've never seen Flight of Passage with a 20-minute wait. Yeah, that, I texted you that day because there was there was a lot of buzz online, like, what the hell's going on? It was <laughs> like, very, very no weird. no lines. Yeah. Uh, reg- throughout the day, Navi River Journey had a longer wait than Flight of Passage. And the 20-minute wait was like a blip, so it was probably down, and it like just came up. But like Flight of Passage wasn't carrying a two-hour wait that day. It wasn't anything bizarre. So we missed a 2 p.m. show. We went back earlier for the 3 p.m. show and made it. Um, they're still not doing the full show. They're not doing like the animal section participation. And we're pretty sure that there weren't stilt walkers that day because we noticed them later on in the trip. And we also had in the mind, in the back of our mind, all right, we need a, we need a lightning lane for this now because – it's stupid. So <laughs> whatever. Uh, so the next day, uh, my, Matt and I went over to Universal. Uh, and this was my first time riding Velocicoaster. And I think my text to you was, Velocicoaster is relentless, which is yep. which is apt. Across Universal and Disney in Central Florida, it is the most intense coaster on either property. I don't yep. think there – I don't think that's – that, it's just – that's a, a fact. There's no real argument there. I think the after I said it's relentless, though my comment to you was I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're a fan of uh, How I Met Your Mother, they refer to it as the Murtaugh list. Uh, going back to uh, uh, Lethal Weapon, yep, uh, Danny Glover's character. But uh, with that in mind, we did Velocicoaster and um, Hagrid's relatively close together, and at that point, like Matt doesn't have the same agenda at universal so i just made the executive decision that we weren't going to do forbidden journey Uh, (laughs) i was like all right doing those like yes i could do it no i won't throw up but uh i'm 40 he's 46 i don't know how he's feeling and he's not going to tell me if 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 matt tells you that he's sick you have 15 (laughs) seconds to find a trash can and he he may or may not aim it at the trash can or your face so it wasn't (laughs) it wasn't a game i was gonna play so well, it definitely makes me feel proud about my 43-year-old ass who uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we did Hagrid – like we just looped Hagrid's Forbidden Journey Velocicoaster uh, over and over and over again during our, our trip. So uh, I can still take it, buddy. <laughs> In 2019, I think I did 
Hagrid's twice and Forbidden Journey once, and I started to feel it after that, where I was, <laughs> I, I needed to do uh, a Jurassic Park River Adventure to uh, to calm down. Uh, ha- Velocicoaster does not bother me at all. Like, I think it's badass. Uh, I, I I will say Hulk, for me, is still one and done. And sometimes Hulk is once per trip, and I'm like, if we do our three or four day trip to Universal, and I get it done one time, I'm good. But... Hag- uh, Hagrid's, I keep saying Hagrid's. Hagrid's is amazing too. Uh, Velocicoaster to me, it's the best seats for any coaster like that oh, that I've great. ever that's, been on. That's like it's the so comfortable. Fantastic. The seating's fantastic. It's not rough at all, which allows me to do that thing over and over and over again. I I just love it. And uh, relentless is the right word. I think yeah. that's what I told you guys when I reviewed it. That you know when you hit that midway point that you're used to that slowdown and it just goes right into that second launch without slowing down whatsoever. Right, uh, and that goes right into that massive top hat. Uh, that usually, I mean, maybe I don't know if it was like this for you, but like. I was at the top of the top hat before I realized, oh, we're on the top hat right now. Like, it just takes you up there so fast. Uh, and, and it's hidden from you on that launch tunnel that you don't realize that's what you're about to go up. And my only disappointment for you on it was you were not there late enough to do it at night because if yeah. you thought it was relentless during the day, <laughs> do that thing at night when it's so dark and you can't see anything coming up in front of you. Oh, my God. So cool. It's also very efficient, too. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the way that it worked out, Universal's um, guest assistance pass is anything under 30 minutes. I think, I think it's 30 minutes or less, technically. Uh, yeah. You just go right into the uh, alternate entrance. Anything over 30 minutes, they give you a return time. The only thing we had to use it for was Hagrid's. So uh, Velocicoaster, I think, did go over 30 minutes later in the day. But when we got over there, it was at 20 or 25 there were two instances here, so I know I've talked about my brother enough times on the show, but Matt uh, is is he's autistic. There are varying grades of autism. Matt cannot function by himself, and if he is left unattended, he is effectively helpless. So on Velocicoaster, uh, another thing to praise on Velocicoaster is the locker setup there. Mm-hmm. So uh, you put in your stuff. The lockers are double-sided so that there's no – overlapping traffic uh, when you enter and exit. And I suspect what happened is I was putting stuff in the locker and a Universal team member ushered him along because by all accounts, if you have never met Matt and you aren't talking to him, he looks quote unquote normal. So he was, you know, no more than 30 feet away from me, but the way that that setup was, I wasn't familiar with it. I hadn't been on the ride before. So there was a good, you know, 30 to 45 seconds of panic where I've lost my brother. Yeah. <laughs> so that happened. And then immediately after Velocicoaster, I think we went on uh, Jurassic Park River Adventure and I was paying attention to my phone, probably talking with Ben or somebody. And uh, Matt gets candy once per day after a ride and he saw the candy after Jurassic Park River Adventure and he was back in the store and I had already walked out of the store. So again, <laughs> lost, uh, got separated from him for a good 15 to 20 seconds as well. And at that point, kind of sat him down and emphasized having to stay with me and he was far more concerned about losing out on candy. <laughs> <laughs> Which we, uh, the other thing too, when you're walking around Universal, especially when uh, you don't have a stroller to put stuff in or anything like that, you don't want to be carrying stuff, and I don't want to carry a bag of candy for six hours. So I told him we're getting it at the end of the day. So 
um, that's what we ended up doing. And I deliberately put uh, The Mummy, which I know has a gift shop at the end of our day. Uh, the Mummy was in technical rehearsals as well. I don't know how long it was in technical rehearsals or we got it right after a refurb, but it looked great. Pretty much everything was working, all the fire effects, all the uh, uh, the dudes that pop up. Um, and that's uh, Josh uses that as a point of comparison for things. Having done Mummy and uh, Cosmic Rewind within a few days of each other. Mummy is a great ride, don't get me wrong, but Cosmic Rewind is definitely a better ride. There's there's no yeah. doubt in my mind. I didn't think that that was going to be a debate. The Mummy has its own positives, but as a combination of themed ride and coaster, Cosmic Rewind is right up there with the best in the world. I think yeah. Velocicoaster as a coaster is, as I said, it's going to be the most intense coaster in Central Florida. You could argue maybe some some of the stuff at SeaWorld that I haven't been to in a decade, but between those two resorts, Universal and Disney, uh, it is definitely the most intense. You mentioned the Hulk. For me, if I never went on the Hulk again, I'd be okay with it. For um, me, it's, I'm kind of in that same space just, right now. It, it, I, I don't think it's that good of a ride anymore. And I uh, there's Universal fans that are going to say that that's blasphemous, but... I don't think it's themed particularly well. Velocicoaster has, you can make a similar case for that, but uh, we've talked about it on the show that it's almost self-aware of the fact that it's, you know, not really themed yeah. because of the environment of the land. And that's an excuse. And we've been, as theme park fans, a little bit more lenient on that type of stuff, like Slinky Dog or uh, whatever it's called now in Paradise Pier, uh, Incredicoaster. Incredicoaster. Where, like, light theming is the theme if you self-identify or you're self-aware of it uh, uh, as that. Yeah. But the Hulk is – it's a bit of a headbanger. Yeah. The Kraken over at SeaWorld has the same number of inversions, if I'm not mistaken, and it's a much smoother ride and a much much better ride, in my opinion. But Yeah, I, I still think the start of the Hulk is quite incredible. It that is, lunch it is. tunnel's great. The Cobra head – the Cobra roll's great. But, you know <laughs> – it's whenever I'm going up that launch and it's taken off and it's really cool. And I like the effects they have inside there now with the, the lights and everything. Yeah, I've done it a couple but, times with the uh, new the new trains. But but it's right before you do that twist at the very top when it hits you that, oh, I forgot how bad this hurts. And then your body <laughs> is just beat up the entire time. Yeah, so yeah. The, the pain factor does not equal the excitement factor for me anymore. If I can get on it, I get on it. But it's it's definitely not one of those where at the end of the trip, if I go, oh, man, we didn't do the Hulk, I, uh, I don't regret it. It's not something like I feel like I missed out on something. Right. If we ride it, cool. If not, I, I would much rather go spend that time you know, trying to get on Hagrid's again or trying to get on Velocicoaster as right, opposed to absolutely. the time I'd spend getting on the Hulk. If we were going to stay longer, I probably would have gone back to Velocicoaster. But, yeah, missing out on the Hulk – Really, when I would do it is if I was the only other option to ride with somebody that really wanted to ride, and I'm not going to be there for several years. I'm I'm kind of in the same boat with Rock and Roller Coaster now, and not that Rock and Roller Coaster is overly intense, but again, it's a headbanger. Yeah. You mentioned the Velocicoaster restraints. So for people that haven't been on it, it's effectively only a lap restraint, and in a, in a large seat. Yeah, and a, and a large seat. So that's kind of elevate, like your feet dangle. Also, like you're elevated up. The seat's large and not cumbersome and it's essentially a lap restraint that is incredibly comfortable for a ride like this i mean so rock and roller coaster now for me and it's been this way for a while it's it's definitely just a headbanger like wherever however that seat is designed it like hits me right on the side of the neck 
and <laughs> it's just it's we, wildly uncomfortable. We definitely sit in the front half of the cars. We make the request. We'll make that ask. If you sit in the front half of Rock and Roller Coaster, it's a it's not much different experience, especially compared to like the last three rows. The last three okay. rows will kick your ass. Uh, if you ever find yourself getting to where it's laying out like that and, and, you know, you don't need to wait for the very front row. But if you find that you're going to be in those last three cars and you don't like a, a pretty banged up experience, always ask, say, hey, can we can we get on the next car set more up closer up front? And it's a lot smoother. Yeah. OK, good to know. Good to know. I mean, so we've, the way that that's set up again, if it's if I'm not there with Matt or somebody else that wants to ride it, I don't seek it out. Yeah. And because of that being uh, set aside, we can make that a once per trip ride. So yeah. it's not it's not bad. A couple of other things that I've complained so, about in the well, past. No, before you before you go on there, we'll we'll circle back one thing real quick. Because uh, I don't think you can compare it to Velocicoaster, uh, because I think Velocicoaster is it's really its own. It's on another level uh, as far as coasters go. But Guardians versus Hagrids. What do you what's your call? <sighs> so it's interesting. I mean, part of it like the IP kind of matters to me. The where I'm a bigger fan of the Marvel IP than the Harry Potter IP, but I don't I mean, it's, it's a coin flip for me. Hagrid's is, is inefficient, which hurts it. The it has, ride. It has show scenes in the daytime, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm always going to complain about exposed coaster track, but they do a good job with it there. I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a non-committal answer. I'm going to say kind of coin flip here. <laughs> I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to say Hagrid's and the reason being is, Guardians isn't a flawless fit for Epcot, and I'm going to be an Epcot purist about you it. You're a bastard. Uh, but I mean, it's I'm not going to begrudge anyone for saying the opposite. I think they're both very, very good rides. So I, I, I think I lean towards Hagrid's as well. Um, I love both properties. Uh, I love I massive, I massive like Marvel Potter. fan. I'm just a bigger Marvel fan. That's all. Yeah, I, I'm a huge Marvel fan, but we 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 love Harry Potter as well. My Deal on that one. It also is kind of like Velocicoaster. I feel like Hagrid's is actually two separate experiences, day and night. I've never done it at night. Oh my god! At night, when you just have that little headlight on, and you talk about having issues with yeah, exposed sure track, awesome. that that exposed track issue is gone at night. Uh, and you got those little headlights on the front of the bike, and that forest is dark, and it's not even grown in yet compared yeah. to what it's going to be in ten more years. That ride at night is freaking amazing. And as much as I love Guardians, it's going to be the same experience uh, whether you get on at 9 a.m. or you get on at 9 p.m. So having that little option of, of making go the rewrite ability going back, the, you know, obviously you have the, the multiple song tracks on Guardians that get you to go back yeah. uh, multiple times. But truly that day-night experience are two different rides uh, altogether. So – uh, but that being said, both are top, top tier attractions. Like we, and we, there are some really cool theming elements in both. Yep. I think something that will help Guardians is when it reverts to a normal queue, I suspect it's not going to have weights that are as bad as Hagrid's. So that, yeah. I mean, that has yeah. to be factored in. Right now, they're both a pain in the ass to ride, like to actually get in the line for it. But the funny part with that one is it's not going to have posted queues uh, that wait that long, but you know, we didn't really talk about this, but the multiple pre-shows and the way it bottlenecks oh, people yeah. into getting in there, like that, that your, your wait time stops when you go into that first pre-show. Right. So it's a but little deceptive. you still got 20 minutes got of commitment. There, you've got the next room and then you've got a pretty decent little wait when you start going down the hallways, uh, depending on how fast they're, they're loading up front. So yes, Hagrid's will always have the longer wait time, but it's deceptive. <laughs> So I heard something uh, 
I don't know how true it was, but like the number of cars that they were intending to have on Hagrid's was something obscene. Like the the ride was designed to theoretically have like twelve vehicles running at once, and yeah. those are trains. It's and I don't know that they ever got to that point. It, it sounds like they may have got to ten or eleven. Friend of the show, uh, Ryan Barr, may know definitively what it was, and I'm sure there are Universal fans that might know definitively what the theoretical versus one-time actual versus what they actually run for trains is. But it has its faults there. Uh, but anyway, let's uh, other things related to Universal that I just uh, experienced in previous trips. Their finger scan was has historically been bad, and they weren't they weren't doing it at Hogwarts Express, which makes a ton of sense. So you're switching parks; you would have already done the finger scan. So they they learned from that. Uh, we did the Born Stunt Show. Uh, that thing is great. You've seen that, yep. right? I think I I think I told you, didn't I? Or maybe I maybe. We- texted about it but i was like make sure you get on that i love it i think it's awesome uh my, my comment was the screen that they use is all of the k's there's yep. <laughs> a there's a there's a fight sequence at the beginning where i did not realize that there were people that weren't on a screen until those people came out and started fighting yep there's it is it is wildly impressive and it seems like it was a rumor for about five years before it actually opened and the that the Bourne franchise wasn't anywhere near as relevant when it opened but this show is it's the best on show I've seen and there's been some great ones over the years at, at both uh, resorts but it is fantastic uh, did, did you get a full show without a technical stop uh, we I didn't notice any so okay it's even like I have been in there a couple times where something has malfunctioned. If if there's a little bit of a timing element that's off, especially with the moving set pieces, yep. they will actually stop down the show and a, a person comes on stage. And at that point, they start going into all the talk and the details of the, you know, the technology oh, of the show. They talk about the screens. They talk about the uh, the tracks and how everything moves. And then they as they're resetting the show and getting you back to the point to where they can start it again. Uh, so it's actually it's it's kind of neat how they've built in uh, some e-stop uh, entertainment oh, <laughs> while, it's, so- while it's going on. Are those set pieces actually on tracks? I figured that they probably set it up trackless, that that was a path so of least resistance. It, I can't remember if they said it was on tracks or if it's like the, the similar of the uh, little track in the floor technology, kind of like, okay, a, like the, the, the original trackless thing. Yes. Yeah. Where it's it's a, following a wired path or whatever. Got it. Uh, but yeah, they, they, they have sensors. And if if one thing is off by like an inch at any point, it'll stop down the whole show because everything's timed out so perfect uh, for for that stunt show. I mean, there's a lot of set pieces that you need to figure out where the screen ends and the set piece begins. Uh, There was one um, where they're on like a high rise and they put digital water in like a, uh, a tub that was, uh, yeah, that's, that's like my a, favorite part <laughs> uh, that was like, all right, I, I, I saw where it was going. And at the same time it was still, all right. Yes. We just dumped him in water and his shirt isn't wet, but it was still just very, very impressive. Very, I can't, yep. uh, can't stress that enough. I also wasn't sure if Julia Stiles was like AI at the beginning, if they <laughs> if if they actually uh, you know brought Julia Stiles back, or did Mandalorian Book of Boba Fett uh, Luke Skywalker effects to uh, to recreate her? Yeah, but anyway, it's funny. My aunt and uncle were out there about the uh, either right before you or right after, okay. and it was on their last day, and they had not done it yet. And they they typically go out once a year, and they hadn't done it 
the the two previous times they were going out there. And I was like, please make sure you go do this this time. And they're like, all right, we're going to go do it. And they get out and just the text start flowing in like, this is amazing. That was awesome. I can't believe, we, you know, how cool that was. It's like, I told you, get in. So if you're going to Universal, anybody out there, take take an hour right. to not do a ride and go do this thing because it's so freaking cool. But to that point, like, I I'd watched a video of it, but I didn't want to watch it too many times knowing that I wanted to see it in person. And that was something that I had in the back of my mind. Oh, we could bring the girls into this. Now, yeah. No, that no. would have that would have, that would have <laughs> no. freaked out an eight month old. Yep. Yep. Uh, I mean, she could have slept through it or something, but I mean, there's no real sleeping through that. Well, so and that's, that's part one, of why that would have been a mistake. That's one I definitely watched the video online before because I knew it was going to be a while before we get out there after it had opened. Mm-hmm. And whatever YouTube video you watch that one doesn't do it justice, like Compl- no, at all. If if you think not. you've seen the show because you watched it online, you haven't seen the show. Go go see it in person. I mean, the YouTube video is in itself impressive, but yeah. seeing it in yeah. person, like it, it absolutely needs to be seen in person, yep. um, and a couple of times at that. Which I mean, honestly, that technology they use up there, you know, we we complain about screen based attractions, but perfect integration you, of it. If you could use that in a ride, could you imagine uh, Fast and the Furious supercharged exactly with those kind of screens? Done. And cars pulling up next to you, like if they actually had real cars that would pull up next to you to 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 go along with those screens, we'd be talking about supercharge being one of the coolest things we've ever done. They uh, completely so, missed the boat. Yep, yep. It, but luckily, they figured it out here that maybe at some point they'll go, "Hey, this would be good for a ride," and we'll figure something out. So we know the technology exists. It'll be interesting right. how they incorporate that into attractions in the future. <laughs> Our longest line all day was Fast Food Boulevard. <laughs> And they didn't have uh, Buzz Cola, which was disappointing. But oh. uh, something else that I saw interesting, Disney has a habit of staggering their shows uh, so that you can't like do them in succession. Whereas the Born Stun show and the horror and makeup show yep. Had, yep. Were, were exact same times. And it worked out pretty well for us. Uh, I love the horror and makeup show. Uh, a point of note, they had the normal guest participation going on. So any concern about COVID yeah. that was just non-existent there. Uh, and it's the same guy that like is the walk around Beetlejuice character as the host. I don't. I've seen it now probably three times in the last four or five years, and it's been him as the host every single time. I'm sure that he isn't there every day, but uh, it's just a very, very good show. Yep, and solid. I hope they never get rid of it. I agree. So yeah, those are kind of the big takeaways from uh, from Universal Velocicoaster. A thumbs up from me. Uh, Born stunt show. I knew that it was going to be impressive, but uh, it. It was really, really impressive. There's no, there's, there's no other way around it. You have to see it to believe it. Uh, it is so well executed. The uh, we had a few more days left with my parents, uh, and the next day over at the studios was an interesting one, or at least I thought so. We had five different multiple experience lightning lanes over the course of the day, and those multiple experience lightning lanes had three different sets of rules for what rides you could use. So. Uh, for the uninitiated, you get these when a ride that you've booked doesn't uh, is not working at that point in time. So if you get a, if you get a lightning lane or if you have a DAS pass for it, they'll replace it with a multiple experience lightning lane. Uh, usually, not usually, uh, whatever ride it was is going to be included, and then it's a lot of like a lot of the shows are included, and a handful of other rides are included. But uh, like if Rock and Roller Coaster is down, which is one of them, you're not going to have Slinky Dog on that list. You're not going to have Rise of the Resistance on that list. 
And what happened before we even got there is that Rock and Roller Coaster, uh, we had an advanced DAS for that. And we had booked a lightning lane for Tower of Terror at 7 a.m. And by like 9 o'clock, we got there before 10. But by 9 o'clock, both of them were swapped out for the multiple experience lightning lanes. But they were both operating by the time we got there. So uh, Marie, Matt, and I went on Tower of Terror. And then Matt and I went over on Rock and Roller Coaster. And what we did is we took my parents' uh, or my parents' tickets for Rock and Roller Coaster so that we would each still have one anytime experience for the Lightning Lane, uh-huh. which was, you know, logical at the time. Uh, we had also got a Runaway Railway uh, DAS. And, of course, when that comes up, that has become one of Emma's favorite rides, by the way. And uh, our girls were young enough where they didn't need tickets, so they didn't need any of this stuff. So Runaway Railway goes down, and so we get a multiple experience Lightning Lane for that as well. Uh, as it turns out, one of Rock and Roller Coaster and Tower of Terror had Runaway Railway on the included list of attractions. The other one didn't. So they all had Toy Story Mania on it, though. So uh-huh. we had, at, at this point, we had active, I think, my parents on one of them, Marie, Matt, and I on another one, and then we all had the Runaway Railway replacement one. So we go over to Toy Story Mania using one of the multiple experience lightning lanes and it doesn't prioritize things correctly. So my parents were somehow now shut out of runaway railway. So (laughs) like three of us had runaway railway. My parents didn't. So I go over to a blue umbrella. I show them what happened and they just gave my parents two anytime lightning lanes for runaway railway. And you know, no, no harm, no foul. Just had to stop at the blue umbrella. Uh, So we continue the day using lightning lane, using advanced DAS. We actually accomplished quite a bit using everything, even though we had five different replacement things and all said and done. So uh, I had been on Rise of the Resistance already. Uh, Marie had not. So what we did is we got a, a disability pass using Matt. And Matt my parent, and my parents went on, and Marie and I stayed off with the girls. So when they ride, the ride stops midway through the ride. It's down for a few minutes, and then they get the rest of the ride, and they get a re-ride when they leave because the ride was interrupted. Yeah. So the plan was that, like, they were going to go on and maybe bring Matt over to uh, – Matt and the girls over to Muppets, which would have been a mistake after we found out that Emma didn't like fill her magic. Muppets is probably <laughs> worse. But anyway, we had uh, – because they got the re-ride, Matt joined us again for when Marie and I went on. And this was also something where we learned that with DAS, as long as the disabled person checks in – uh, anybody else that's on that reservation can go back at any point in the day. Uh, you can uh. basically make your own child swap that way. Uh. And I couldn't uh. get anybody to confirm it, but it did work. But so we're, we're in line for Rise of the Resistance, and I don't use a regular magic band. I have like a keychain one. And I was fiddling with it in my pocket in that first pre show room, and I drop it. Uh, and it's dark in there, and I had like 30 seconds after the pre show ended as everybody left where I'm looking at it, looking for it with my phone, I can't find it. It's like, all right. Um, uh, it's gone and I later on in the day I put in a lost and found report but anyway so we we get into the (laughs) detention room um, and they do like the laser cutting door effect but they don't open the door and instead the door that we entered opens and they tell us the ride's having issues so we wait like 10 minutes and then leave so now Matt has he has a rise of the resistance return time my parents have two We, we all have rise of the resistance return times but the ride is down and Marie hasn't been on it yet. <laughs> so we wanted to hop to Magic Kingdom, but 
the uh, so we're like uh, Marie and I are going to be back here later on in the trip without Matt without the uh, disability pass we would have had to pay for individual lightning lane for it uh, we weren't actually even planning on going back to the studios uh, at least not for a full day so it just it would have been a pain in the ass for us to you ride. could have just waited in a three hour line you we could have, have as well lightning lane come on but what we would have had to do is we would have had to do a child swap because it would have been after my parents <laughs> left. Uh, so we're like, all right, what do we do here? So uh, Marie actually went over to the Blue Umbrella this time and said, any chance we could get this Rise of the Resistance thing for later on in the trip? My, uh, it's just be the, for the two of us. Uh, haven't been on it. We're going to be back here. We can we can basically come back any day, just not today. We don't want to wait for it. And like, sorry, I can't help you, but we'll give you a lightning lane for like – one of a dozen things in the Magic Kingdom uh, for the next day. No Jungle Cruise, by the way, which is frustrating. Huh. But again, they, they kind of handed it to us. So I think we used it for Winnie the Pooh. And so to do this, to give us that Magic Kingdom uh, lightning lane for the following day, they wiped out the Rise of the Resistance one for all of us. Like, all right, well, if it comes back up, we can't really do it. And then yeah. I think I think both girls fell asleep. We're still at the studios at this point and rises back up. So we thought, you know what? Why don't we just do another Matt Pass for it? Yeah. And that's what we did. So Marie, Matt, and I went on it. We got over to Magic Kingdom later. And yes, we waited longer. We didn't do as much in the Magic Kingdom, but we had a lot more Magic Kingdom time with the girls. So it worked out and we all got on it. And I, as I said, I put in the lost and found request for the Magic Band. All of this is relevant. And what ended up happening is... Uh, <laughs> At least just you didn't my, lose your keys in the parking lot. No, there, there's a lot of stuff that's lost. I'm not the only member of my family that loses shit. So... Seems like it. It ended up being... Well, uh, uh, we'll get into that later. So we... Uh, just my father, Matt, and I went over to the Magic Kingdom. Initially, it was just going to be Matt and I, um, which would have been more efficient. But actually, we did quite a bit. This was my first time on the trip getting on Splash Mountain because when we were at the Magic Kingdom earlier, I stayed off. Uh, Marie, Marie and I stayed off with the girls. Did you take so, your protest signs on it when you wrote it, or did you didn't didn't take my protest signs? Uh, were you the one that sent me the Josh Gad uh, clip, by the way? Of Josh, uh, yes, Josh, yes, okay, yes. yes. <laughs> uh, maybe post that over on Facebook. Josh Gad uh, making comments about Splash Mountain at uh, the Candlelight Processional. But anyway, um, Splash Mountain is not show ready right now. If any of Disney's contract parks, like Oriental Land Company, had Splash Mountain operating this way it would be shut down. Um, if Universal operated Spider-Man with this many broken effects, it would be shut down and they'd be in breach of contract. <laughs> that being said, I actually expected it to be worse, but it is it is in rough shape. And when I got off, I don't know if it was this time or another time, I said to one of the cast members, I said, man, this thing is limping to its closure. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, not much we can do. They, they're, they're keeping it open because people want to ride it, but this is not... This is not Splash Mountain. This is Splash Mountain Light. And it's really yep. unfortunate that, I mean, people are going to defend, like, why fix something if they're going to close it in a month and a half? It's because you're Disney. Fucking do it. Show, have some pride in what you're actually presenting to the public. And if you're going to keep this operating, you need to actually have things working. There was no less than a dozen and a half major effects not working. Talking yep. animatronics, the, the laughing place uh, sequence itself was just... Nothing was going on there. There was no movement whatsoever. No. It really, really is atrocious. Uh, and it's unfortunate. And I'm going to try to fondly remember the attraction in much better shape than it is. And I sincerely hope that the Princess and the Frog uh, redo of it is a better attraction. But 
there's no way it can't be compared to the current version. Oh, yeah. And that's that's the, the <laughs> problem is that's what they do. They let stuff like they did this with the studio backlot tour where they just like strips mm-hmm. stripped away, neglect. And then when they replace it, nobody complains. They kind of did the same thing with a great movie ride. We're doing it with dinosaur right now. Yeah, we're like that type of stuff. And actually, Dinosaur didn't look bad for us. But, I mean, that type of stuff just really, really bothers me. So, yeah, I understand that, you know, putting good money into it. But at the same time, buy some fucking hydraulic fluid and make the animatronics work. I mean, the amount of people that are that it's entertaining over the course of a day is, is kind of I mean, they, they could do that with the amount of lightning lane, individual lightning lanes you bought on the trip. You, exactly. You pay for that. Exactly. So, yeah, Splash Mountain, That's it's frustrating. But uh, that day, uh, just or that night, rather, we did Space, Peter Pan, Splash, Pirates, and Jungle Cruise, which in a few hours, I mean, you can just do so much more when it's only a few people and you're not catering to uh, various bladders. Uh, we did hit Pecos Bill, and I don't know if it's just that I've soured on Pecos Bill, but I've been a big fan for years, and it seemed like the, the food quality is taking a step back, so... Uh, I will bring. Uh, I will welcome Tiana's if that comes in and brings some uh, New Orleans style food there. So yeah, it was quite average on our last trip. Was it? Yeah. Was it what it used to be? Yeah, not the same without a fixing bar. Definitely not. Definitely not. But I mean, just like the the meat quality just wasn't wasn't there. Um, I did. Uh, I side side note here. We did go to uh, Connections Cafe. Uh, yeah, and really enjoyed that. I got a burger where you got a uh, pizza and both kind of sampled both, uh, each each other's and it was very good. And we got a milkshake as well, which Emma was a fan of. So uh, positive reviews of that as well. And we probably wouldn't have done that had we gone during our normal time frame because we would have been there during food and wine. So yeah, silver lining. So anyway, next day we went over to Magic Kingdom. And during that day, I got a notice that they found my magic band uh, and it would be at Hollywood Studios until the end of the day. <laughs> So this is my parents' last day. We had a good day uh, over at the kingdom, and we were just at the Magic Kingdom all day, uh, hitting all the match stuff. But Marie and I and the girls went over to Hollywood Studios, and I could poke my head into guest services uh, at the outdoor location. And I get there, and I'm greeted by Jamie from Seattle, and she recognized me, which is never a good sign. And for people that say that I'm the mayor of guest services, uh, I mean, when I'm starting to get recognized, I guess I kind of have to own it. So <laughs> she was the woman that helped me at the Blue Umbrella the day before with uh, my parents being shut out of Runaway Railway because the system didn't prioritize their three at the time, multiple experience lightning lanes. So I uh, showed her the email. So she sent someone off to look for the magic band and I just kind of started talking uh, about it and said, you know, this is a. End of a trip for my parents, but my wife and I have a few more days with the girls. And she said, well, what are you doing tomorrow? So I said, we're going to be at Epcot. But uh, what we're probably going to try to do was take the Skyliner over and come back to the studios so that Emma can get on Runaway Railway. We just got to time everything with a Ratatouille lightning lane and a Runaway Railway lightning lane. Uh, so she said, just the two of you? I said, yeah. We're for ticketed guests. Yeah. So I knew she was up to something, but I didn't know what she was going to do. So her fellow cast member comes back saying that she can't find the magic band. So Jamie goes back and helps her. And I look at my phone and see that she's booked us for Runaway Railway for the next day to do it any time, which is wildly convenient. Um, but she didn't say anything. So she comes back and says, uh, I can't find the magic band. But uh, she gave me a slip for a free one. 
uh, and a free holder, which they don't sell anymore. But <laughs> I, I thanked her and acknowledged what she did in Runaway Railway. She wasn't going to tell me. Um, so I submitted a cast member review uh, for her as well. And uh, Emma certainly appreciates it because she there, there's a few rides she talks about. It's a Small World is one she talks about. But Runaway Railway, Ratatouille, and Winnie the Pooh are things that she continues to talk about. And the teacups. Yeah. But the, uh, the, the two trackless ones are obviously harder to get on. So uh, that was a... That was a big deal, and <laughs> the other variable there as well is um, we played the game uh, the next day where we got to do both Runaway Railway and Ratatouille. We did. Uh, we went back to the France Pavilion and didn't ride Ratatouille. We timed it where we were going to go to Toy Story Mania and ride Runaway Wa- Railway and got there like in the 2 o'clock hour because you have to wait until after 2 to hop. And I think we were heading back for our Ratatouille lightning lane and we were late. It was probably a good 35 minutes to go on the Skyliner from the studios to Epcot uh, mm-hmm. when all was said and done. And I mean, we, we knew it wasn't going to be quick, but with a toddler, you can tell them that the Skyliner is a ride. So when you're trying <laughs> yep. to get that, when you're trying to get that ride count up, that journey itself is four rides, according to Emma. So, um, we did it, and we were probably thirty minutes after our posted return time for Runaway Rail for um, for Ratatouille. And normally the window is fifteen minutes on the back end. Yeah. Um, but the thing lit up green. We didn't have to kind of smooth talk our way into it. We had the same thing with Space Mountain earlier in the trip, where I think we were only a few minutes late on that one, or we were like eighteen minutes as opposed to the fifteen minutes. And again, yeah. same thing. Uh, so I don't know if they've made it more lax on some things, but we were stressing out about it because we didn't want her to be shut out of Ratatouille and trying to explain that to a toddler is, you know, we're not waiting 90 minutes for the semi. Sorry. <laughs> but the other thing we did at Epcot that day uh, was the Fiesta Pyramid at San Angelin. This the, the we, we got like an appetizer and that was a mistake because this thing serves six like 250 pound men. <laughs> It is enormous and it is delicious. Uh, I think you've seen video of it. Yep. But it's uh, it's a like chocolate shell. We talked about this on the last show. Trace Leche's cake, chocolate mousse. It did not disappoint. Emma liked that she could you know hit it with a spoon and break the uh, the chocolate <laughs> shell. But yeah, it was it was the uh, the adventure to get there though was dumb. So we didn't have a reservation here, but we knew that they were doing walk-up lists. So that opened at 11 when most of World Showcase opens. So I joined it when it said it was 60 minutes out. So this was like early in the 11 o'clock hour. And I get yeah. a response five minutes later saying our table was ready. And we're like at Nemo at this point. Um, so I'm like, all right, that's no good. Uh, so I can- I canceled that. You had the option to say, are you here? I'm on your way, whatever it is. And I just said, cancel it. And I tried again. A few minutes later, it said it was 60 minutes out. And then five minutes later, I get the text that the table is ready. I was like, all right, uh, this is going to be an exercise in futility. And so I decided to look to make a reservation. And there was a same-day reservation for like 70 minutes out. So we booked that and just continued on with the rest of what we were doing in uh, not Future World. Yeah. But when I got there, I said, I have no many, I have no idea how many times my name is on your list because I can, <laughs> I was continuing to get text notifications that our walk-up was ready even after I had responded that I'm not coming. So I think I got ultimately four text notifications saying that the walk-up was ready and we had an actual dining reservation as well. But uh, definitely 
the Fiesta Pyramid. If you have the opportunity to get over there, just do it. It's like 35 bucks. It is definitely shareable. And I think if you have eight people, you can still probably have some left over. It is, uh, it's not COVID friendly because you're sharing it with other people, but it is very good. Uh, the other thing in San and Hell Inn that they have, uh, they have bamboo straws there that are substantially better than any of those crappy paper straws that they have anywhere else on property. So I don't know why. Uh, I'm sure that restaurant isn't operated by Disney, but they have no. much better straws there. So. Uh, they need to spread, I like to bring, spread the love. I like to bring my own plastic straws in. <laughs> we Go actually talked about doing that for Matt because he insists on having a straw with everything. But the the annoying thing here, uh, no parking lot trams at Epcot still, and they parked us oh. in the far, le- the far left section, which is nowhere near anything. And it got to the point where like I get I get to the end of the row as I'm walking, and I just see the, uh, uh, the traffic cast member. I said, I got a question. Yeah, what's going on? And I just pointed to the vacant parking lot in the middle that is yeah. that has that straight alleyway. It's like, yeah, what about it? I was like, why aren't I over there? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, we we have we have uh, uh, mandates to do this. I'm like, why aren't I over there? Why don't you prioritize the guests that arrive first thing in the morning uh, and not make them walk twenty minutes uh, when you don't have a parking lot tram? Yeah. It just it seems it seemed dumb, but anyway, uh, this was the day my parents left. They weren't in the parks with us, and my father left his cell phone in the rental car. So uh, <laughs> uh, last year, my mother threw her two week old cell phone in the trash at the Land Pavilion. So I am not the only person in my family that has this problem. And <laughs> dollar rental car, they probably collect half. We looked at their lost and found. They collect about half a dozen cell phones a day and there was no means of contacting a human being like he could report it and there was like you would think that find my iphone would be able to navigate it no 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 help whatsoever basically as soon as he walked away from that rental car that phone was good was as good as gone so thankfully he had the insurance on it but even that it's a couple hundred bucks so (laughs) whatever uh so that's my family so we had two more days left, and the next day, the only noteworthy thing at the Animal Kingdom was again fucking Lion King. We this time <laughs> this this time we had a lightning lane. So whatever the show time was, say it was like the noon show. I, one of them they do at lunchtime, but let's say it's a noon show. Uh, they give you the return time. That's like a fifteen or twenty minute window. So eleven thirty to eleven fifty would be the return time, and we show up at like eleven fifty three. Like no go, can't go in. Like I thought we had a fifteen minute grace period. They said not not for this show. And wow. then I know that they have room and we kind of hung around. I think we went to the bathroom and we probably went and did like uh, the walkthrough and we saw them letting standby people in. So if we had hung around, they would have let us in, but it was just frustrating. And so we went up, we went and ended up doing the next show, but because we had already booked a lightning lane for festival of the lion king, we couldn't book another lightning lane for festival of the lion king. Cause you can't nope. book the same thing twice. So I had to go back to the blue tents where they now have my, picture up on the inside of the uh the umbrella but uh they just said yeah we'll clear out clear it out and just give you one for the next show <laughs> so we went in in the 20 minute window uh we got to see the show emma, emma liked this show i was kind of thinking this one might be a little bit scary for her as well but she was she was okay with that um and that's we did see still walkers the second time around and i don't know if we saw them the first time around so i don't know if it's a mm. staffing thing or if while we were there they just added a few more show elements to it. So uh, our, our last day was going to be Magic Kingdom all day. And we left our condo at 8.56 a.m. 
and there were three guys in the condo complex having a barbecue. And this, <laughs> this is, uh, I think, a Wednesday. Like, <laughs> so 8.56 a.m., time to have some burgers on a Wednesday morning. But this kind of was the day where that Genie Plus refresh issue hit us harder, where we were trying to do some stuff in the morning. We were like trying to get Jungle Cruise, and it just wasn't going to happen. So, yeah. I mean – they absolutely need to revert to the Disneyland system of having to be in the park instead of the 7 a.m. bullshit. Like the uh, Disneyland's version of this just works better in part because they have more rides. Uh, they're not putting it on stuff that doesn't need it. Like the teacups don't need lightning lane. Let's just stop it. You're you're deceiving guests when you do that. But yeah, <laughs> the other thing and I use this as an example to people all the time. The parks in general need more rides. They need more high capacity rides. Hollywood Studios especially. You can look on any given day, and I know this week is a bad example, but uh, a normal week where it's not crowd level 10, five of the six rides pretty much on any given day, maybe five of seven are going to be Hollywood Studios with the highest wait times just yeah. every single day. Uh, and it, that, sh- that should tell them something. But yeah, I'd love to see them pull Lightning Lane off of the shows that don't need it. Uh, well, you were at D23. Did you not hear them talking about uh- – what's beyond Batu? <laughs> yeah, I don't think don't think that's happening. Don't think no. we're getting it. There's like a Encanto village and that beyond Batu. They need more rides. Let's push next, let's do it. Next ride in Hollywood Studios. I'm going to set the over under at 6 years from now. <laughs> do you t- do you take the over or the under? <sighs> and it's got to be an addition. I'm not talking about a rock and roller coaster overlay. Oh man, I mean I think I think at their, at their rate of building stuff, it's gonna be over. But I mean, it needs, five to it six years to is the is the window that is like I think people would think. All right, when is Hollywood Studios likely going to get a ride? And five to six years is probably what it is. I mean, how so, long does it take to level Launch Bay and the Animation Building and put something up? That's I mean, uh, that, for that Universal, to, it's six weeks, but for right. them, it's three years. That really just needs to happen very, very soon. But anyway, uh, this day, we actually had our longest wait of the entire trip, and that was Prince Charming's Regal Carousel. The way that it worked out, I looked at it, and I think it was posted at 35 minutes, and I said, this is not, this is not a long line. I said, 20 minutes tops. It was a 37-minute wait. Uh, they were filling it about maybe two-thirds, but uh, and half of that is in the shade, half of that's in the sun, but Emma did great waiting, so um, yeah. like we wouldn't have pushed Lily that much, but Emma did did very good. We ended up doing the carousel three times, which I don't think I've done since I've been a toddler myself. <laughs> this was the first time she wanted to go on a horse, uh, so the first couple of times she just wanted to sit on the bench. And I also didn't realize, because I haven't been on the carousel in a while, that the bench is just like an unthemed blue bench. Like, it's probably yep. the same upholstery that they have at um, TTA. Whereas, like, some of those other carousels, and this is, like, a, obviously a very nice carousel, but they have those sleigh-type things that are very decorative, very ornate. But maybe that just took up too much space. I don't know. So they well, that's, only- a- that's actually the bench that Walt used to sit on. Uh, oh, while okay. He watches- no. <laughs> Over at Griffith Park, they just, they yeah, just lift yeah. it up. and They just put it know, right there. Put some blue padding on there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the other convenient thing for this – this was also the day that I tortured Emma with Philhar Magic. So this ended up being both Marie and my last trip on Splash Mountain. And it was – when we were there with just the girls, we tried to do a couple of things for ourselves. So like she hadn't got on Dinosaur earlier in the trip. So she did that. Uh, I did a single rider on Everest. But for Splash Mountain, we, we needed cooperative girls. So we got – a, we each got a fast pass or a lightning lane for it 
at what we hoped would be their nap time and they cooperated. So trying to manipulate that with uh, an almost three-year-old and an eight-month-old was just kind of a stroke of luck where it worked out where we were both able to go on it, uh, take turns and not really disrupt their day too much and actually have it kind of work out perfectly. So nice. I mean, it was still like Splash Mountain light, but glad that we both got to get on it a couple of times. (laughs) Yeah. Other minor observations, uh, row one of It's a Small World is designed for people four foot six or under. <laughs> the And the speakers on the monorails might be from like 1989 when they first introduced <laughs> the Mark VI trains. And yep. not the – not like the Jack Wagner speakers, but the ones where you're getting um, reports from from the cockpit. Those are just atrocious. It's – it's akin to like your New York City or Boston subways where uh, you need to be able to speak conductor to really hear them and understand <laughs> them. But it's so staticky, so awful. And I know that technology has improved substantially since when these were first introduced. But <laughs> all in all, a good trip. I kept that under three hours <laughs> from the trip report standpoint. But my, my takeaway here is that I don't know that my parents at 74 can really do more than two days in the park. Uh, in a row. They did three in a row, and I think that was probably a mistake. And I also don't think it makes sense for us to return until Emma is 40 inches at this point because she's going to be she's going to be three on whatever our next trip is, three or four. And uh, she's you know, roughly 37 inches right now. She was not tall enough to go on mine train. So, not that she yeah. would have after Barnstormer was a non-starter, but uh, I just think it logically doesn't make sense for us to do it. And the initial plan was going to be 11 of us going through here. My sister and her family uh, would have helped as you know, different people that could stay off with the girls, but uh, that would have added a layer of complexity. So I really think that if we try to push for another family vacation, especially next year, it's probably not going to be Disney. Like we might rent a house somewhere uh, you know, go to a beach for a week, get on a cruise ship, something like that, that I think is a little bit more viable while the girls are kind of in this age where they're not tall enough to do some of the fun rides. And I don't want to pay, you know, 800 bucks for tickets for, for Emma for a week and just ride it's a small yeah. world. It just doesn't, it doesn't seem viable to me. So you might kick you off the show. I know, I know. So it is very conceivable that in 2023 I do not go to a uh, I do not go to a Disney park. Take that, Chapek. Realistic, realistically, I mean, we'd be looking at uh, a trip in the fall anyway. But if she's not 40 inches, I just don't see it as the best option for us. Like, I I very well could go on a Disney cruise ship, or we could do something else. But I just I don't know that it's going to be worth the the money to do it that way. Yeah. So. Just it's yeah. it's it's kind of lousy. We had a great time. Don't get me wrong, but you've got now the the added cost of having to pay for the three year old, yep. and uh, without having grandparents that want to stay off for things and not wanting to impose on that. I mean, you've been there. Uh, I'm now just kind of getting into that with uh, with the girls going, but we we didn't necessarily have to do that for the first year that Emma uh, was alive because of COVID. Where we didn't yeah. have a trip plan then, but nah, you're uh, you're getting into that time frame where your vacations are twice as expensive. It's fun. Yeah, you're gonna yeah. love it. I mean, you're thankfully we have uh, we have a place to stay in the area, so that that helps. Gary, yeah, the four of you can't sleep on Gary's couch. Gary said we could. Like he's got uh, the spare bedroom. 
Uh, they've got the couch there. I mean, he's just going to fall asleep at his computer anyway. So. They're going to call Child Protective Services if you put one of those kids on that couch. That's uh, <laughs> it's know. all good. It's all yeah. good. Uh, <laughs> any other thoughts? Uh, we haven't had a CEO replacement in over a month, so I think I think no, we're good that's here. good. You know, uh, I'm just looking forward to January when Iger will announce tra- parking lot trams coming back and uh, get that wait. easy win that we're all looking for. I believe the uh, they announced that the trains are back, or the trains are coming back. January 1st, I believe, For, yeah. or for a minute. And yeah, then until gonna... beyond Big Thunder. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we will never see that. <laughs> All right, if you have so any I questions. Do, I, do, I do think, that I was going to ask you about this, because you're Mr. I, I already 20... started with the outro. Uh, <laughs> damn it, I should have gone <laughs> with it. Go ahead. No, this will be quick, but... Uh, D23, because you're Mr. D23 on this show, yep. uh, with how lousy it was uh, this year with, with on the park side, uh, you know, obviously things are already in motion for Destination D coming up next year. Do we, you know, typically they wait for their big, big, big park announcements for D23, but do you think because things went so bad last year, is there a chance they fast track anything for, for Destination D this time around? And maybe that's Iger's first big chance to, to get out there and you know maybe get the parks people excited a little bit i saw that on the uh, the docket the interesting thing so that's that's in september similar enough time frame to when the d23 expo was this year i mean they can't wait two years to do anything in no my, uh, <laughs> i mean but they could also take the universal approach and only announce things like when when there's steel in the ground but at least we see that steel going in the ground so that's fine too, as long as Disney starts actually building something. They the don't want to rea- announce it. Let's see. Let's see you building it. Let Let's like look at this practically. Like, if not for Alicia Stella, would we have any idea of what is going into Epic Universe? Uh, I think Bio Reconstruct would fly over it every once in a while. Okay, and we'd so get like some ideas. Two members of the fan community <laughs> are instrumental in the mm. flow of information that is coming out of Universal. They, 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 they had the one press conference at the convention center that had the artwork with the with the park they, logo. They mentioned they mentioned like some of the intellectual properties, but even that yeah. was like super vague and weird. But, but at least they did something. But like it's it wasn't like you know nine years down the road. Hey, we might no. we might do a cocoa ride, and we might do like yeah. yeah. Disney got weirdly odd, uh, weirdly specific and non-specific simultaneously. With no timetable for something that they're probably never going to build, yeah. Uh, and it was like it's it's totally different. This is again what Josh complains about. But to your to the point of your question, will they announce something at Destination D? We went into the D twenty three Expo, I think, setting the over and under over under for like ride announcements for Walt Disney World at like one or one and a half. I would set it about the same here, but I'd probably take the over. Yeah. Um, I, let's say I'll set it at a half. I bet they do announce a new ride. What the likeliest scenario is that they announce Moana for the Animal Kingdom. That's yeah. it, it, that's probably what they're going to do. Um, if, if they're going to announce anything, that's what makes the most sense to be the next edition. And if they announce Utopia as well, I'll be pissed. But <laughs> I think they can announce uh, Moana. And the time frame of that, I'm just thinking, so Toronto's opening in 2023, Tiana's opening 2024. Could they get a Moana flume ride open by 2025 on a, an area of land that is largely already cleared 
Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it also doesn't mean that they have to like, they could start land clearing now and then have it, have it open in 2025, 2026. But that's, if you're going to make a bet, if they're going to announce anything, that seems to be the logical choice to me. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, we'll see. I don't know. Do you, uh, did you have any other thoughts for potential things that would be related to that or any Just other anything. parts that might get something? Just anything, yeah. anything. <laughs> I, 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 We've always, uh, you know, I've never looked at Destination D to be a big major announcement situation. They, the, the, it's, it's the baby announcements there. Uh, save everything for D twenty three. But the, the timing of this one, I don't think Iger can wait two years no. to put his stamp on on anything in the parks. And so, uh, and just it, they're not a company that does this out of the blue. It's not like we're going to get a press release on Tuesday saying, "Hey, there's a new park." They wait for these events like this. So it's it's really they have like one opportunity every year, yeah. And it just hit me like, is this are they going to take that chance in 2023 at Destination D? I, I'm trying to think. I think they announced like Festival of Fantasy there, which is not insignificant. But anyway, if you have any questions or topic ideas, you can email us at martycalled at gmail.com. I don't know that I've logged into that in a good six months. Uh, <laughs> you can also follow us on Twitter under the username at martycalled or join in on the discussions in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash martycalled. Ben, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at backside underscore water. And uh, before we forget, uh, Josh requested in lieu of flowers uh, for his passing, he'd rather you just send him straight up cash. <laughs> Do we have his Venmo? Uh, it's at Tim Grassy on Venmo. Okay, at Tim Grassy at Venmo uh, yeah. if you want to send Josh money for his untimely passing. Love you, yeah. Josh. And then, I don't even think that's my Venmo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> some random Tim Grassy in Colorado would be like, what the hell? Yeah, some dude's going to awesome. cash. Uh, anyway, and you can find me on Twitter under the username at Inferno Barge. That is Inferno Barge with one O. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Love you. So we're, we're in line for Rise of the Resistance, and I don't use a regular Magic Band. I have like a keychain one, and I was fiddling with it in my pocket in that first pre-show room, and I drop it. Uh, oh, so you lost your Magic Band? Oh god! After the pre-show ended, as everybody left, we're looking at it. Looking what am I doing? Find it. It's like, all right. Oh my god! Why am I doing this? 
This is so painful. <sighs> if he only knew the real reason why Josh wasn't here. We had a coin toss, and damn it, I knew I should have called heads. Knew I should have called heads. I'm gonna get Josh back. Like, Josh has to do the next one, though. I'm not doing another one of these trip reports. So, do we really need to do seven minutes on white or pink amoxicillin for his kid? I swear to God. I swear to God. I used to be on a show with Ricky Briganti. Inside the Magic. We used to have thousands and thousands of listeners. We used to be relevant. I used to get, you know, stopped in the parks. People would recognize me. They listen. They love the show. They would write in. I used to be somebody. And now I'm listening to a guy ramble on about losing his magic band and going to customer service to. <laughs> That's crazy. I swear to God. I swear to God, I'm not doing this again. I quit. I quit. I. This is like two days before Christmas. I should be spending time with my family right now. We should be doing something for the holidays. I should be spending time with the girls. Not listening to rambling on about not being able to do Velocicoaster and Hagrid's and Forbidden Journey all at once because I'm too old. Jesus Christ, what are you, 90, dude? Swear to God. Oh, God, I need another beer so bad. Need another beer. If I get up and go get a beer right now, he won't know. He'll just keep talking. That's what we do. I'll I'm gonna get a beer. I'll be back. They wiped out the Rise of the Resistance one for all of us. Like, all right, well, if it comes back up, we can't really do it.